Jim the Splitter by Henry Kendall Read for LibriVox.org by Nemo The bard who is singing of Wallum by Jim is hardly just now in the requisite trim to sit on his pegasus fairly. Besides, he is bluntly informed by the muse that Jim is a subject no singer should choose, for Jim is poetical rarely. But being full up of the myths that are Greek, of the classic and noble and nude and antique, which means not a rag but the pelton, this poet intends to give Daphne the slip for the sake of a hero in moleskin and kip, with a jumper and snake-buckle belt on. No party is Jim of the Pericles type, he is modern right up from the toe to the pipe, and being no reader or roamer, he hasn't Euripides much in the head, and let it be carefully tenderly said, he never has analyzed Homer. He can roar out a song of the twopenny kind, but knowing the beggar so well I'm inclined, to believe that a par about Kelly, the rascal who skulked under shadow of curse, is more in his line than the happiest verse on the glittering pages of Shelley. You mustn't, however, judge him in haste, because a red robber is more to his taste than Ruskin, Rossetti, or Dante. You see, he was bred in a bangalow wood, and bangalow pith was the principal food his mother served out in her shanty. His knowledge is this, he can tell in the dark, what timber will split by the feel of the bark, and rough as his manner of speech is. His wits to the fore he can readily bring, and passing off ash is the genuine thing, when scarce in the forest the beeches. In girthing a tree that he sells in the round, he assumes as a rule that the body is sound, and measures forgetting to bark it. He may be a ninny, but still the old dog can plug to perfection the pipe of a log and palm it away on the market. He splits a fair shingle, but holds to the rule of his father's and happily his grandfather's school, which means that he never has blundered when tying his shingles by slinging in more than the recognized number of ninety and four to the bundle he sells for a hundred. When asked by the market for iron-bark red, it always occurs to the wallumby head to do a mahogany swindle. In forest where never the iron-bark grew, when Jim is at work it would flabbergast you to see how the iron-barks dwindle. He can stick to the saddle, can wallumby Jim, and when a buck-jumper dispenses with him, the leather goes off with a rider. And as to a team over gully and hill, he can travel with twelve on the breath of a quill and boss the unlucky offsider. He shines at his best at the tiller of saw, on top of the pit where his whisper is law, to the gentleman working below him. When the pair of them pause in a circle of dust, like a monarchy poses exalted august, there's nothing this planet can show him. For a man is a man who can sharpen and set, and he is the only thing masculine yet, according to Sawyer and Splitter, or rather according to Wallenby Jim, and nothing will tempt me to differ from him, for Jim is bit of a hitter. But being full up will allow him to rip, along of his lingo his saw and his whip, he isn't the classical notion. And after a night in his humpy you see, a person of orthodox habits would be, refreshed by a dip in the ocean. To tot him right up from heel to the head, he isn't the Grecian of whom we have read, his face is a trifle too shady. The nymphing green valleys of Thessaly dim would never jack up her old lover for him, for she has the taste of a lady. So much for our hero a statuous foot would suffer by wearing that heavy-nailed boot. Its owner is hardly Achilles. However, he's happy he cuts a great fig in the land where a coat is no part of the rig, in the country of damper and billies. End of poem. 
This recording is in the public domain.